What's up, guys? This is Veej. This is the fourth episode of One Degree Separation. It's the first episode since that I've recorded since I launched it, and I happen to be in New York right now, uh, here with my friend Yumi. Uh, just a short recap of the past few weeks. Podcast launch. Thank you for supporting it. Been getting a lot of good feedback. Yeah, one year freelance. I hit one year freelance in October, and then some of you asked to talk about that, so we might touch on that uh, in this talk. And if you follow me on social media, I landed this cover on Adbusters that I took a photo of in San Francisco during Black Lives Matter protest. Uh, peep that, cop that. Yeah, Adbusters. Someone called it the original Vice. So if you know what Vice is, then you kind of know what Adbusters is. So yeah, I got one of my oldest friends here, uh, Yumi. Uh, she lives out in New York. I'm going to let her introduce herself, tell you what, what she's about, what she does. And uh, how we got to know each other. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what up, what up? This is Yumi. I know VJ from way back. We're out here in Brooklyn today. Feels good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what do you do? What do I do? That's a good question. I don't know, VJ. <laughs> I mean, right now I'm just focused on, you know, some freelance projects and my magazine and mm. keeping it 100. Okay, let's backtrack. How did we meet? I know you got a story that you tell everybody. I do, and I'm so excited to <laughs> tell the world, it's, tell it's, the internet. It's pretty anticlimactic, you know? My, all my stories are mad anticlimactic, but Yumi loves this story. But this is actually a tale of caution. It's a tale uh, of caution of getting friend-zoned. Yeah, so I haven't learned, honestly. This, this happens over and over again. This happened circa 2006. 2006? I was like, 16 or 17 and you were probably like 15 yeah. anyway the point of reference is when national treasure came out. <laughs> the movie national treasure with nicholas cage <laughs> starring nicholas fire <laughs> so we had met through a mutual friend and this whole time i thought vj really hated me because what vj is super i mean he still is kind of quiet now but even more so when we were kids i'm like man this kid doesn't even like me. He like barely, <laughs> we barely make eye contact. He's just kind of like lurking around, like whatever. But then we all end up going to this izakaya and was it Kichijoji? Yeah, I think we were trying to, I think me and Victor were trying to buy shoes or something. Yeah. And we linked up with you. <laughs> Big surprise, we were all sneakerheads in high school. Uh, we go to Tokyo every weekend to go cop fire nike sb second hand nikes <laughs> and then basically our, our ritual is that we'd buy sneakers and then we'd go to an izakaya which is like a japanese like half restaurant half bar situation we'd all just you know unwind from sneaker shopping mm -hmm. and i remember i was like trying to get lit encouraging everyone to party with me and then vj you know hasn't <laughs> talked to me all day so i'm like Hey guys, guys, I, I gotta go. And our, all of us were like, what the fuck? Like, we just ordered a picture. Like, you're supposed to kick it with us. And he's like, no, man, I, I, I gotta go. There's, there's this girl. She's, she's watching National Treasure. I'm gonna go watch it with her. <laughs> and I remember at that point in time, I was like, that is the worst fucking reason to leave a group of homies. And from that <laughs> moment on, I was like, this is VJ. This is who he is. <laughs> that was my first impression, man. Leaving the squad to go watch National, National Treasure. National Treasure. And, and the, not even a plot twist. This is just how my life goes. She couldn't even make the movie. So I think I just watched National Treasure by myself. Man. <laughs> and I missed out on all the shenanigans in Tokyo, you know? That was the night I like split my forehead open. Yeah, I mean, you guys did crazy things, man. I was never there, though. You he know. wasn't. He would always leave just a little too early. Just a little too early. Or I just picked the days that weren't lit. Or when it was lit, I was never there. I've seen hella photos on MySpace. Yeah, you know? they're all my Long live MySpace. Long live MySpace, man. They're all in there, though. No, but I think I remember like the very first time I met you was Kinnick High School. Shout out Kinnick High School, Japan. <laughs> Kinnick Red Devils, 2009. Yeah, I think Victor was like showing you around because you were part of... Um, What's that thing called? Like publications or something, newspaper. And you had like the Frankenstein Air Force Ones or something. Like the bright ass green ones. <laughs> you were walking around campus or something. And I was like, yo, Vic, what's up? And I, I don't know if he introduced us because 
I remember us for being formally introduced at a izakaya. I think I guessed like your actual real name or your ethnicity. Yeah, that's right. I think like during that time we'd always like commiserate. It's like, okay, who in this group is Filipino? Like, oh, you're Filipino tight. We're gonna be friends, or like, it was always just some lame shit that we we're like connecting about. Yeah, I mean, because because uh, most most Navy bases back then were all Filipino back in the day. So I mean, you know, I you think gotta... they still are, dude. Nah, dude. A lot of ships from Virginia and Florida came, so it's all like multicultural. That's you know? good. It's not Filipino mafia all the time, you know, because you know they they usually run the commissaries and all that. If you ever needed if you ever needed a job back in Japan and your auntie works at the commissary, you're guaranteed a job. Yeah, she was definitely bagging your groceries. Yeah, and that tip, <laughs> that tip money was hella good because our homies Victor and Philip would use all the tip money and buy shoes. Man, they had a crazy collection. It was lit back in the day. That was the move. That was the hustle. Yeah, I had to wait till I was like fully sixteen or seventeen <laughs> for a job. I worked at the docks, like throwing throwing uh food to like in a in this conveyor belt line of people it wait was crazy. what yeah yeah i mean it was like a it wasn't even a summer program it was just like a low-key program people didn't know about but you basically got on ships and you moved boxes and crates and that sounds like some child that. labor like army Bruh, but that, yo like that wasn't a thing you're the only person that ever had that as a no, job no dude hell of people had that job and it was good money. It was like it was decent money at the time, like in two thousand. How much was it? Seven, eight, nine. It's thirteen an hour for like a young ass kid. Oh, that's good. For a young ass kid, it's good. <laughs> and it was hella chill. Like the boss was hella chill. And sometimes they would sneak like the food off of the boxes, and we'd eat them. I don't know if that was legal or not, but we did it. What were you loading and unloading? Like food, like like boxes of milk, of like grapes, just like the food. Oh. So you, so you know how like, it's like a maze in a ship, like there's stairs and then there's like yeah. little tunnels and all that. We would form like this line. This of children? Line. No, it was like grown ass men. Like, and, and you? Yeah. No, I was, I was 16 back then. That's when you can get a job. It's when you're 16 or 15 and a half. I think I got it when I graduated high school, honestly. Yeah. I did that for like two or three summers. Made hella money. Back when that was hella money back in the day, but it was pretty tight. Had a good time, made a lot of friends, but um, is that your only summer job? Have you had any other ones, dude? Um, I'm so mind blown that this was actually a thing that yeah youth what? did in high school. Yeah, I mean it caught on after a while because we started telling everybody, and then they would find like the right place to sign up. I would do the summer program at in, in on the base, so I worked at the post office, so I'd be distributing people's mail. That was pretty fun, honestly. Okay, so VJ the postman, VJ the human conveyor belt, yeah. and now VJ the designer. Yeah, and I did I did work in an office in the same building as my mom, watching over two interns and filing and shredding documents for a summer. Honestly, the evolution is inspirational. Everyone, take Dude. note. You could be a you could be working in the post office or in a conveyor belt. But become a badass designer photographer. Dude, that's the Take that's the note. creative hustle glow up, man. <laughs> I would never have thought I would be designing things and making things happen like that. So yeah, okay. So now now you know how we know each other and some background on me. Growing up in Japan and yes. pretty much internationally, because I feel like a lot of people don't have that opportunity like we did. Mm -hmm. We just happen to fall into that life. Right. Um, how did that affect you on who you are today? You know, because I definitely, yeah, like, ha it definitely has everlasting effects on me that kind of define who I am. So how did, does it define you? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question because, I mean, obviously the first thing people always ask you is, like, where are you from? And, and that's a, like a long-ass explanation. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always just, like, a super nebulous answer. Like, you can be very succinct. Mm. Like, for me, it's like, yes, I was born in Osaka. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the first 10 years of my life, I lived in San Diego. We immigrated through San Diego. Mm -hmm. And then I lived in the South. I lived in Richmond, Virginia until I was nine. Mm -hmm. Right? And then I moved back to Japan and lived there from nine to 18. So, it's mm -hmm. like, I guess it's like half and half. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, identity-wise, my mom is Japanese. My dad is Filipino. And since I spent all my teen years in Japan, I feel very you know, Japanese at my uh -huh. very core. So 
I guess I think I still bring a lot of that when I moved back to the U.S. when I turned 18 and went to college out here. I mean, I think, you know, one of the most valuable things you could do is just see how the other side of the world lives and works and operates because... You know, a lot of things in the U.S. are fucked up, so it's important to have a different perspective mm. on, like, stuff like art and culture and, like, music and, you know, how all that works in, like, other parts of the world. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, growing up in Japan, I wouldn't say, like, I grew up with, like, a more, like, sophisticated taste, but it was more, like, like I don't know, like, I feel like it was a little elevated because, you know, like, things in Japan are, like, really well thought out and, yeah, it's all sophisticated there, the fashion architecture and I mean even the way like some people live out there is kind of crazy to me and you don't really experience that here just growing up with like a different perspective and then having to come to the states is kind of like culture shock like I didn't know I didn't know what to do personally yeah when you have to describe like where you're from it's like a super hard question like do you tell them your ethnicity or do you tell them where you've lived like for a couple years do you tell them where you grew up the most you know yeah like what passports do you have it's, yeah. it's like i don't know the question in and of itself is like super overwhelming because it's like i feel like for other kids who grew up with parents in like the military whether it was like army or navy or air force you kind of have that understanding so it's very easy when you're like well you know mm -hmm. last place i was at was like here and they all get it because it's like yeah if your parents are in the military you have to move you know, every so often, you know, depending on what your parents did. Yeah, I mean, the first time I moved to the States, I moved to um, San Francisco for college in 2008. And it was, like, the most overwhelming thing I ever experienced because, like, stuff here is so different. Like, culturally, Japan and the U.S. are just, like, polar opposites. So yeah. it was, like, a, a huge, like, you know, getting used to for like the first year i was like what the fuck am i doing here like i don't understand anything mm. i don't know was that like that for you too yeah like because i don't know living in like a military base and living in a foreign country you're kind of in a bubble like i felt like i lived in a bubble in the base and then when i grew up a little bit more i was able to go outside and explore japan and so that like kind of molded me but at the same time like it definitely was is not comparable to the U.S. Like, people here definitely think differently, act differently. Yeah, it's complete polar opposite. Like, I would, like, I, like, growing up as a military kid, like, I think one of the important questions, like, that I've always had to deal, deal with that I don't know if, like, other, other people deal with is that, um, like, yo, like, where, where is home? I've lived in California most of my life. Like, I don't know if I call California home. You know, I grew, I, like, grew up really, like, in my adult life in the Bay. Do I call the Bay home? Or is the home where, like, my parents are at? Or is home Japan? Because, like, a lot of my connections, like, growing up and, like, my childhood was there. So, I mean, that's something I've had to, like, struggle with. So, I'm, that might be the whole struggle with the transition between growing up in Japan and the U.S. is, like, I don't know. I don't know, like, where my home is. Obviously. Yeah, no, I feel that. But as I've gotten older, I kind of realized that home is like less a geographic location or more just like a feeling like yeah. you know recently like my my dad is like living in the states now so it's like home is kind of like where you know the things with like my family and myself like intersect like home is like also in LA like where my sister lives or home is like also with my family and my network out here in New York so it's like mm. you know for me as I'm like getting older it's like I understand that more as like you know a feeling that I hold on to that mm. you know feeling like connected or feeling grounded with like people and stuff but i don't know like how was it like growing up or like living in japan and not being japanese because you know that's like different from me because i yeah. look japanese you know for the most part <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes i'd get mistaken as japanese and then i'd say it's, i only speak english really yeah dude. filipino as fuck i don't know maybe i was like paler or like <laughs> i don't know dude but um i don't know living in yokosuka in that general area like it's like a military like hub so most people there knew english and like i, ne I never had to learn japanese like i took spanish because i wanted to be in like the uc program and, he wanted like, to appeal to the mommies out the here the mommies you know how to speak spanish you know how to get my game up early it, it it definitely was a struggle getting around and like just living there but i don't know japanese people as like a people and a culture they're just very like kind and like very understanding like i'm I've never had issues in, like, all my years living there, like, 
getting around or communicating like of course there's that language barrier but I feel like there's a lot of context that I can provide and all that and as far as cultural differences go like I think growing up as a military kid like you're kind of more not more open-minded but you're like kind of put in a position to be more open-minded from the jump as a kid because like like what do you really know growing up in the states and then moving to a different country you're just going to absorb the new culture you know so uh i just didn't have a choice yeah i didn't have a choice so i just took open arms when i did move back to the states and when i was in middle school like and i'm was told that i'm gonna move back to japan i was hella stoked because i was already like into it you know so it wasn't never it wasn't much of a struggle for me i know it might have been struggle for other people just because they might have uh left their home a little later in life so i didn't really have any attachments so I was just, I'm just free to move around even today. So so like moving on from that, for me personally, like I said, like being a military kid and like not growing up in one place, like I've never really found it that hard to move anywhere. So how was like the transition from going to going to school in San Francisco and being that being one type of lifestyle or one type of thing, and moving to New York and then because they're not completely different, but they do have their differences. Yeah, I mean, leaving San Francisco was super easy. Mm. I mean, San Francisco, the Bay was super fun, I think, for college. And it's just small, right? Like, it's just super small. You just get fucking bored. You get bored by, you know, bars only being open until 2. You get tired Mm. of the same after-hour places. You get tired of the same events. I mean... You know, shout out all the weekly parties that are having, like, Sweater Funk, like, that's still a dope-ass party. But, like, I don't know, like, you know, growing up, you know, being in Tokyo was, you know, paled in comparison to, like, living in the Bay. Uh You know, but, I mean, it was, like, a specific time in my life, and it was fun, like, but, yeah, transitioning to New York was super easy, it was super fun, you know, and since I went, when I, I came here for grad school, so that made it kind of easier, because uh-huh. I knew I'd already be plugged into, like, some sort of community. Yeah, so after going to NYU, well, just speak on what you studied at NYU, and then what you got yeah. into afterwards. Yeah, so the reason why I went to NYU, I was actually originally supposed to go to Georgetown, but fuck that school, DC <laughs> sucks, uh, super lame, but... I originally wanted to, you know, pursue all that higher ed stuff because I wanted to, oh, this sounds so nerdy. I wanted to be a college professor mm. and, uh, do I have to say this? I feel so, I feel so embarrassed talking about this now. Really? It's so nerdy. It's so nerdy. Just say it, man. <laughs> okay. I originally wanted to get my PhD so I could teach college courses uh-huh. on hip hop. Because that's not that's not that's not stupid dude that's hella tight man. it's not stupid i'm saying it's like just like mad nerdy i was like i don't know i'm still like that you know i'm just like such uh-huh. a nerd about music but yeah. but back then i guess i was like i was like oh fuck all these books being written about hip-hop they don't know shit about hip-hop so i was yeah. like i'm gonna write a book so i guess that was definitely like my motivation to want to go to school mm-hmm. you know in new york obviously it's like the birthplace. Yeah, much. shout out the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I got my master's degree in an interdisciplinary program, which is very NYU, and I wrote my master's thesis on, you know, like mainstream rap music. So I, my focus of my thesis was kind of on Good Kid, Mad City that just came out at the time and about you know, how it relates to, you know, current events and, like, how pop culture and current events, like, intersect with race and all that. You know, if anyone wants to read it, feel free to email me. It's about 70 pages. <laughs> it might be kind of boring, but trust, I think it's very interesting. Hey, man, Good Kid, Mad City's a, a classic, man. Might have to read that myself. Will we call it classic, though? When when can you call something a classic? Is that a whole other debate? We can... That might be a whole other debate, too. We can, okay, we can... We can talk about that later in the in the podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, so okay, so what did you get into after college? Because you've been yeah. out for a couple years now. So I've been out like two years now. So you've been out three? Two years. Two. Two? I graduated in 2015. Um, yeah, so I mean like even during undergrad, I've always been working for either like marketing or PR companies. So after I graduated from 
NYU, I took a job working as like a music publicist. So I did a lot of campaigns that surrounded a lot of, uh, for lack of a better word, urban artists, <laughs> <laughs> which is a catch-all phrase for either hip hop or R&B. Mm-hmm. So, so just briefly explain mm-hmm. what PR is, and then we can expand on that. Sure. So, okay, for anyone out there who's interested in doing PR, I am no longer in that field, so I could confidently say it is, to me, very boring. (laughs) (laughs) Your life basically means you're going to be yelled at for many hours a week. You send out about 5,000 emails, and... You base your job is to basically annoy people and stay on top of your artist, and some people like that, and that's cool, you know. But uh, honestly, for someone like me who's like irritated very easily uh, and has no patience, it was. I mean, like I I did that for a very long time. <laughs> it feels like, but um, yeah, it wasn't my thing, which is why. It's mm. important to pursue things outside of it, which I guess we'll touch on later. But mm. so that's what PR means. So if any, I know it sounds like a very like obscure kind of field, mm. but what it literally means is, is you're probably sending out a, a fuckload of emails every day. That sounds like it's at a more professional level. So like mm-hmm. for people like, I know we got hello homies that are rappers, musicians, artists. You know, like is there <laughs> is there any like yeah. Are there any, is there any advice you can give them to handle their PR better, like, at, at this, like, super ground level, you know? Like, yeah. Because a lot of people don't really have, like, the resources to hire people. So For sure. So I'm guessing that it's either the homies or just themselves that are doing it. So what would you tell them right now? Yeah, I, I would, my advice would be to just make good fucking music and that will have its own legs. No matter how much money you invest in PR or whatever sort of, I guess, like extra component to your, you know, campaign, like for sure, if you have the resources to do that, then do it. But as like a emerging artist or whatever, I think the most important thing is to just hone your craft and just make mm. good fucking music because if you do that, people will notice. And that's yeah. I think that's true because, you know, you can only do so much and pay so much and you know if you don't have talent at the end of the day it doesn't really matter there's no longevity in that Mm. so i think yeah just if you make good music people will notice so you're saying good music will take you far obviously if you're Mm. talented and you're consistent you're gonna make it maybe not make it but you'll get noticed by the right people but um do you think for lack of talent like a good image can save you like if they're good looking or had good branding yeah good branding like like visually and yeah, like and like good looking yeah. and all that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all part of it. Now it's, I think nowadays it's important to have the entire package because there are uh-huh. so many resources to you know create really clean websites, have a strong social media presence, be have really great style and have, you know, look interesting or look intriguing enough for people to be interested in you based off of you know that. Uh-huh. But at the same time, like I said, if it's like if you're in it to you know, for the long haul to be like a real artist and not just some sort of, just some sort of like ephemeral, Mm. you know, one hit phenomenon, then yeah, it has to be a little bit deeper than just having the illest gear or something like that, having like a super dope website. Like, you know, I think at the end of the day, like we could still discern between what's fucking dope to listen to and what Mm -hmm. really fucking sucks. So like in the industry, Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of people can like, so I've heard of things called like pay to play. You get pay to be played on the radio, right? Something like that. Or you pay to play like on a on a stage or whatever. And then there's like you can pay to be on blogs and stuff. Like, do you think that helps someone's career, or do you think that's like mad detrimental in the long run? Like paying the, for your spot. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing with just like advertisement, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you you could pay like for say for example like an ad agency, they could pay like a hundred racks to be a a promoting sponsor for you know something like even like the super bowl or something yeah but that doesn't necessarily translate to more people using that service or buying buying that product Mm -hmm. right it has to actually be good too so i mean at the end of the day like state farm could sponsor this game but are they really making you know what is it what is it's an insurance thing right? yeah <laughs> that's a bad example or like coke or no coke is not a good example like 
I think you can pay a lot of money to just like have your name out there. Mm. But I mean, to feel for people to really respect you as an artist, like yeah. I don't know. I feel like people can really smell gimmicks like that. Yeah. You know, and a lot of those sites, like, you know, for at least the ones that I'm fans of, like Fate, The Fader, mm. or you know, Paper Magazine, or any of those, like they don't. Most of that stuff, I don't think you can even pay to get on. Yeah. You know, I think there's a certain sense of integrity for those kinds of sites mm. that don't really allow that kind of thing. So I think that kind of protects that. Just having like an A one product, like from the jump, is is like the best thing to have, man. Yeah. Mm. I think so. Because it's so easy to, like... I mean, all the stuff on the internet is so expansive, but at the same time, like, that helps us be nerdier, you know? Like, mm. we have, like, SoundCloud to nerd off of, or, like, Spotify, or, like, all these blogs and stuff. So it's, like, I don't know. If it fucking sucks, like, are you going to listen to it just because it's on something? Like, no. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think people are that dumb. I have faith in people <laughs> to be able to discern that. <laughs> I'd like to think. Mm. So, I mean... That's not to say that, you know, it, at the end of the day, it might just be like a taste thing. So everything differs then? Or like, I don't know, some people like, some people love Lil Yachty, some people think he's absolute trash, you mm. know? And I love Lil Yachty, so I don't understand the latter. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, I honestly think that though. If music is good, it will reach someone. And that's not to say like, those those A&Rs are out there like listening too. So anybody can, anybody can get it, honestly. If I think so. Out there. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if you're just brave enough to put your shit out there, then you know you get some some amount of respect in the beginning. You know. Yeah, that's that's the first step, right? Yeah. Like putting your shit out there to the public is a very vulnerable moment, uh-huh. and I don't think people give enough give artists enough credit for you know doing that, taking that risk of being judged or like mm-hmm. whatever. So, I think for that, I respect. You know, for pe- for people being brave to do that. That's fucking brave to me, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, embarrassed to show people, like, a doodle I draw. <laughs> the other day or something like that, you uh-huh. know? Let alone, like, have someone listen to something, like, I recorded, so. Mm-hmm. So you used to work at um, kind of, like, a PR agency, right? So that mm-hmm. was back then. And then, so you had, like, you are saying you had, like, a short stint as a freelancer, Yes. <laughs> yeah. So how was that a transition? Like, how did you know, like, yo, it's time for me to, like, try things on my own, you know? Because I feel like a lot of people have this, these thoughts in their head. They're like, oh, like, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to be ready. So what convinced you, you know? Yeah, I think, like, it was equal parts frustration, just mm-hmm. having to go in office every day, and equal parts arrogance. Because at that point, <laughs> I don't know if you felt this as, like, a designer or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, when you work for a firm, obviously, you know what rates they're paying the firm versus uh-huh. what your salary is. And knowing yeah. that was a very, very depressing <laughs> You're just like, every day, I would just, like, you know, being a fucking crowded ass, you know, shout out A-Train, fucking sucks. And mm. just feeling, like, miserable. I would just be going to work hungover just all the time, just being like, ugh, like, another day. I'm about to just sit on my ass and email a bunch of people, get mm. yelled at by clients, and, you know, feel sad as fuck in this <laughs> dark office. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was just funny, I guess. I was just, like, I mean, I was feeling, like, fucked up about it for a minute Mm. but yeah i honestly just like came in i was like yo i'm done Mm. i was just like over like my because before that right my boss tried to fight me did i I tell you about that that's a whole other story my (laughs) boss tried to fight me at this show she was insane i was just my job at that point for the for like two weeks was to teach her how to use Gmail and G Drive, and I was like, mm. "Yo, I cannot do this anymore." So then I was like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna do these two freelance projects, where all the money's going to me." And mm. and I guess I kind of learned the business of that because my first two internships and job was working for this one guy who, you know, the PR company was just him, so I yeah. was assisting him. So I kind of like understood the mechanics to that, I guess. Mm. So then, yeah, I think it's just like. I just didn't, like, give a fuck. I'm like, mm. yo, I'm young. I'm in New York. Like, it, like I'm not afraid to take risks. Like, I t- yeah. took risks all my life. Like, when I was 18, boom, I moved 5,000 miles away from home, went to college. Five years after that, I moved to New York. You know what I mean? Like, I just, like, mm. don't care. 
I guess, about the consequences <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> which is good and bad. But yeah, I just like didn't give a fuck. That was it. I feel like after, like you were saying, like you knew like the background, like oh, like especially like how much people are getting paid and like the, all the behind the scenes. You kind of realize, yo, like I'm kind of worth more than this. Like you realize you're kind of self-worth in your craft you know and like because i said this in the other podcast that people would describe it as like this leap you know like which sounds crazy to people because then a lot of people can't really relate to like making leaps you know like you're saying like yo i don't give a fuck like we're just gonna do this but like yeah so like that's what we have like in common but i i, I like to think about it as like little steps you know i just kind of like prepared you for that very moment like yo like i got gamed up at these internships you know like I worked at like a bigger spot and it's just not for me. So you're like, you right. kind of just know. Because there's differences between working at a small place and like agency and then like a company, you know? I don't know. I, I like had that same experience too. Just like working at small places, big places, working with like cool bosses and shitty bosses. At the end of the day, I think it's just, it's the best to be your own boss. Yeah. And <laughs> I think also part of it, and I think VJ, you can also relate to this as well, but like, I think one common thread that VJ and I have together is I think we both, I think both of our families are like the shit. I think we have very like yeah. kind, loving, supportive parents. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a huge part of it. Because yeah. like part of it was like, you know, like knowing your self-worth and all of that is just like, I just like have always believed in myself. Yeah. I know, I know that sounds like corny as fuck, no. but my parents have always you know, I just, like, grew up, and they've always been really supportive and have always mm. supported all my interests, whether they're super crazy, like, oh, I want to try skateboarding, or, yeah. like, whatever. They've always, like, supported and fostered all of, you know, these, like, whims I've had, or, like, you know, whims that turn into, like, you know, lifelong hobbies and stuff like that. Mm. So I think, like, that really instilled in me that, you know, like, you, like I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like, whatever. You know, yeah. I believe in myself. Yeah. You know? Right? I don't know. Is that the same with you? But I feel like that's, like, kind of true. I, like, found, like, my thing with art and, like, design and all that super late. Like, I feel it's super late in the game. Like, junior high school, I just, like, started... I had to take an art class, so I took computer art. And then my teacher was hella chill. He was, like... He was, like, the soccer coach, you know? And, like, he was mad chill. He'd, he just passed everybody with Bs. And then... <laughs> like, wait, wait, you're... Your soccer coach was a computer graphics. Yeah, he was an art teacher. Mr. Shout out Mr. Hernandez, man. Kind of owe him a lot, honestly. Yeah, and then me and Victor came along, and we were just killing it at computer art, and I'm pretty sure he gave us both A's, like very rare, you know? And then he was like, yo, take AP art. I think you got a new, uh, like, I think you're pretty good at this. So me, Victor, and a couple of the other homies took AP art, and we killed that. We got fives. We got on um, the AP exam. We got A's. And then this... He would low-key, like, finesse us, like, uh, make us take, make us, he made me and Victor go to Tokyo one time to do this presentation or to show our art to, like, the Board of Education or something in, in the Pacific, in the East Pacific or whatever it's called, and to get funding or something. And we got, like, this, this, like, nice-ass meal at the hotel, the, the sauna hotel. Hey, shout-out new sauna. Shout-out new sauna. Lots of memories there. Yes, sir, yeah. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, just the art thing kind of came late. Like, I was mad academic. I was trying to be a uh, valedictorian. And, Were you? Okay, so, honestly, I think I could have been. But, you know, like, mad, hella ships. Nah. Hella ships came super late in the game. Like, at the at the end of, like, my high school career. Like, my homie Bruce came junior year. He's, like, a genius, man. He's, like, doing stuff in Antarctica right now. Like, that fool's mad smart. And he was, like, I think he went to a private school in Hawaii or something. And then he came to Japan. So he became valedictorian. No, he was salutatorian. And his girlfriend at that time was this girl that came from Virginia. She became salutatorian her senior year. Like, when she came here senior year. But the one thing that makes me mad salty about that is, like... So she was supposed to be a junior. She, like, accelerated one year. She was able to become valedictorian a year early. So I could have been at least salutatorian. Because I was actually super smart. You think you school. were third? Yeah, I was. I think I was. I was top five. I'm so rude. I'm like, hella skeptical. Like, you were Bruh. third. You were never going to be valedictorian. Uh, most, okay, most of my smart friends moved by that time. Uh, like, my friends Chris and Alexis. And, like, I was just, I had AP classes. And that, that was, like, a, that was like a weighted grade. So, it like, boosted you up. And then, I don't know. I think one of the smarter kids, like, messed up in one class. So, I, like, jumped them. So, I was third. What was your SAT score, though? It was uh, 1,600 plus. 
is in 1600s. So that's a little above average. That's low as fuck. No, it's not. That's a little bit above average. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's out of 2,400. Yeah, but it's a, like the average is like 1,100. We need receipts. Yeah. Yeah, look that up. not that smart. Look that up. No, my sister said that uh, the new SATs are like out of like 1,600 now. Oh, really? They lowered them. Yeah. So we had it kind of hard. So what was the original question? Something about art. AP art. How did I get uh, to the AP art thing? Oh, no, our parents being supportive. Yes. So, yeah, I got in late in the game because I was supposed to be academic. But my parents, like, I told my parents, I was like, yo, like, I don't want to be in the military. Like, I don't want to go to boot camp or anything. You know, like, I don't want to be a doctor. And I'm kind of good at this art thing. And my and the soccer coach, art teacher, wrote me a recommendation to CCA. But turns out he only went for the master's program. So he didn't he didn't know how hard it was as an undergrad. But yeah, my parents have just been mad supportive because at the end of the day, I'm just going to do what I want. And I've always made it work. Like when I graduated uh, high school, they're, they're kind of like, yo, what now? Like, what are you, you going to do? How are you going to make money? And then, you know, yeah, I mean, you got this piece of paper. It's like pretty, a pretty expensive piece of paper. And it's like you shout work, out art school. Yeah, shout out art school. And like you've worked at it for a very long time. Like, how does it pay off? Like. But, you know, I've been, like, finessing social media since, like, freshman year. So I got a job right after. And then I think they saw that it was real, that my job was real. And, like, my dedication to it was real when, uh, yeah, when I got my first paycheck and then I paid for the gas, you know. I bought dinner, you know. Like, they're just like, yo, there's actual money in this. And then I I haven't asked them for money, like, since, you know. So kind of independent. But, yeah, I mean, I'm back in my parents' house. But, but he's single though. But I'm single though. You know, just, single that's not a independent man out here. <laughs> no, entrepreneur. You know, uh, self employed. boys. You know, but yeah, just having that. I feel like the moral of that story is just having this like support system, like whether it be your parents or your homies or your other relatives. Like like being an artist and creative and being someone who takes risks is, isn't easy. Because I feel like at the end of the day, like, it feels great knowing that people support you. Like, you do this for yourself, but it's kind of like, yo, like, people believe in me. That's, that's super sick, you know? Like, it makes it way easier, mm-hmm. honestly. So, yeah, having your parents' support is just kind of... The way I think about it is, like, it's kind of default. But I don't, I've, I've, like, found that it's kind of not for a lot of people, especially in 2016. But, I mean, if you have anybody's support, then I feel like that should take you kind of far, you know? Yeah, I think that makes a huge difference. Because, like, I think part of it is just, like, you need to have, like, that confidence. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the confidence, like, yeah. Because a lot of people are scared of, like, the uncertainty of, like, freelance or, like, moving away from home. Because, yeah, I did the same thing after Japan. Went straight to the Bay and did that for, like, four years. Moved back for one year to San Diego. Then did two or three more years in the Bay. So, I mean, I've been home away from home for, like, hella long. And just being back at home now, I'm just like, dang, like, there's, like, differences between, like, the amount of independence that I have or the amount of confidence that I have, you know? Just being on your own is kind of, like, liberating. As much as I love being at home and waking up to, like, my mom's cooking, like, it's nice to, like, know that I have, like, this freedom and and I have to make it work. I don't know. I don't know if that's the same for you. You kind of bask in the independence and you kind of thrive in it. Oh, I'm out here. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you've been out here as, as long as, like, right. I've been, like, away from home, too, so. Yeah. But how has it been? It's been finally a year that you've been freelancing, right? Like, yeah. how do you, I don't know, what are your takeaways? What can you advise mm. young, aspiring designers out there? Huh. What's a piece of advice? Well, okay, so I've written a bunch about it on Medium. You can find me on Medium, Vigzilla. Uh, I mainly write about freelancing, but I think the main thing is that you're never going to be completely ready, so start before you're ready. You know, as much as scary as it sounds, like, of course, be, like, financially well off or in your situation and be confident in your move, but, like, there's never going to be a right time, you know? You're never going to have that, that moment again, you know? Just when you leave your job or when you graduate college, like, the independence is crazy and like things will fall on your lap as like just be confident in the way you move and things like yeah i mean when i quit my job like i got gigs just because people knew i was free to like take their jobs you know and like 
I put my out, myself out there more because I talked to my friend one time and she was like, yo, you just got to think about it as, uh, yo, how are you about to eat tonight? Like, if you can't make money today, then how are you about to eat for like the rest of the month? How are you about to pay your rent? So you kind of just have to hustle and make things work. Yeah, I mean, I hear that like millionaires have like seven avenues or streams of income. So I'm like trying to work on like four more. So it's every day is like part of the process to make it work. And not everything is going to be like super good all the time. It's like slow months and then there's like busy months. So you just kind of have to be patient and be confident that um, opportunities will come and that you're attracting that. Not to get like hella deep or nothing, but you're attracting that like energy. I don't know if that... (laughs) I don't know. I've been around some like woke people lately, so I've been trying to attract hella good energy. (laughs) Trying to manifest a mommy or something, you know? Like, I don't know. No, as a very cynical person, (laughs) I I still believe in that. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah, I'm like half and half on that. You gotta work hella hard. You can't just think it, you know? You gotta fucking work hella hard. Yeah. And uh, I feel like a lot of people just want to like think it into existence, but you gotta put in work. And you gotta have a plan. I'm not the best planner, but I always seem to make it work. So I think something super important that we haven't touched on is the importance of personal projects. Because, yeah, I mean, Yumi's super creative. She's We've talked about hella projects that she's like had in mind that she started. Like me, like I have personal projects that I've started. Yeah, can you just speak on like projects in the past and then like your current project, uh, Never Enough Mag? Yeah, definitely. And I think like like what we said, like having people support you is, you know, very crucial in pursuing creative things. Because I think like you've always like inspired me from like your mm-hmm. photography or for you just, you know, starting writing about freelancing one day. I thought that was like mad cool because it's like damn, like, VJ's just out here trying to do everything, you Mm -hmm. know, and I hella respected that. So I think, you know, just being inspired by, you know, not just you, but by a lot of our, you know, mutual friends, like, yeah, it's just like, if you have something you like, you should just fucking do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, for me, right in high school, we're all super into, like, you know, art and, like, photography and, like, Mm -hmm. film and stuff. And I guess the thing that's always really stuck is, like, writing part of it is like you just have to fucking like writing to go to grad school you know i've always liked writing i've always loved photography so it felt very natural to want to put together you know a platform that just kind of highlighted those two Mm -hmm. things and you know my partner who helped me create it is like his background is like in design and stuff so Mm -hmm. it just felt like a natural kind of marriage to want to combine all of our interests you know so I think it's just, like, really important because, A, A, you should just fucking do something that's fun, right? Like, creative projects are fun. That's the whole point. There's, like, no pressure because it's, like, there's no set, well, for our project, at least, there's no set editorial, you know, Mm -hmm. deadlines. There's no, like, Mm -hmm. style guide where, you know, basing it off because it's just, like, everything that we think is dope. We're mm. interviewing our homies mm-hmm. that are, you know, smart and creative and do mm-hmm. cool shit. Like, you know, we featured VJ in the first issue, so obviously, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I don't know. It's corny, but life is just too short to, like, you know, be hung up on every little detail yeah. or, like, every little thing you feel insecure about because it's like, once you just throw it out there in the universe and it exists, like, that's it, you know? It feels mm. good to, like share a piece of that with other people Mm -hmm. i think right like because like art is like a piece of you yeah it feels fucking dope for people to read about you know creative processes of our friends or see Mm -hmm. these fucking sick photos that vj took of some Mm -hmm. hot girl (laughs) or something like that a lot of those a lot a lot of those a lot of those vj only photographs hot girls not recently but you know they're all landscapes right now (laughs) you know they're all mountains now but (laughs) taking a break taking a break but uh yeah okay so backtrack Mm -hmm. what is never enough yes i didn't even introduce it so never enough is a digital magazine that mm-hmm. highlights our most creative and inspirational friends of color. Mm-hmm. And we were inspired to do that because, uh, yeah, there's just not enough of that shit out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that I think, you know, 
brown people, yellow people, you know, black people can't relate to. So we just wanted to create stuff that resonated with us and, Mm -hmm. you know, curate stuff that we thought was cool and that we just wanted to share with everyone. So, you know, it's a mix of, you know, fashion, photography, travel, and all of that music. So Mm. just, like, stuff that, you know, interests us. So, So like, um... Yeah, so I guess we touched on, like, the importance of having personal projects, but, like, personal projects, like, I feel like it's a lot about um, storytelling since you're the one, you're the creator, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, how important do you think that is to, as a skill in, like, everything else, not just, like, this online publication where you obviously write stuff, right? But, like, in everything, like, I feel like storytelling is, like, the most valuable skill you can have, you know? Like, it, as far as, like... I'm glad you think that. <laughs> yeah. No, because, okay. Okay, so this is why I brought it up. Because uh, when I applied to BitTorrent, I was just talking to, I had to talk to three people. And the last one was the head of marketing, which was like my boss boss. And this dude didn't want to talk about anything I had in my portfolio. All he wanted to do was talk about, first of all, about Supreme, about Wu-Tang. Because he stayed, he lived in New York before and he fucking loves it. And he wanted to talk about uh, Happen because he was like, oh, this is your personal project. Like, tell right. me more. And then... Him and, like, the head of design, this Japanese guy, he's like, yo, like, we want to hire you because you obviously know how to tell a story through your brand. And we want you to be able, we want you to tell our story through your designs. So, in a design sense, in branding sense, like, storytelling is obviously, like, you might not be that great at illustrating or, like, photoshopping. But if you can, like, explain your ideas and convey it and, like, tell people, then you might have a one-up on, like, a designer, you know? So, what is, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess it's just, like, it it goes to say that everything has a purpose, Mm -hmm. right? It's not like we're just randomly selecting people or photographs, but it all kind of, like, contributes to the narrative that we're trying to build. Yeah. So I think the narrative that we're trying to expand on is stuff that we draw on from our backgrounds. You know, Mm -hmm. both both, uh, my partner, his name is Malcolm. Malcolm and I, like, we come from these backgrounds where we've really had to hustle for everything that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it was like finessing a grant for grad school or finessing like a job or something like that. So it's like the way that we want to tell our stories is through other people. Mm-hmm. So by selecting people like you or, you know, our friend Ellie or something like that, they're mm-hmm. able to construct little because right, all of your friends are like a piece of yourself yeah. too, right? You see a bit of yourself in all of your friends. Uh-huh. So in, it, for us, I think it really made sense to want to construct that narrative through other people or through you know experiences that we've all been we, we've been through, whether it was like through travel, going to like LA and like hanging mm-hmm. out with our friend Astronautica and stuff, or like going on a super one-off trip to Curacao, Mm -hmm. you know, or something like that, that all kind of, like, contributes to, like, you know, not only where we're at right now, but also, like, where we want to be. Because a large part of that project, as a passion project, is that it helps keep us motivated to aspire to, like, do more, to keep us inspired to, like, want to keep creating, because I think the process of that really just, you know, keeps you motivated and excited about, like, life, right? Like, because it's, like, dope like i just like want to do like dope shit like that so it's just like all right then like how do i get to the next level it's just by creating more and more stuff that kind of like builds upon that narrative that we've been constructing and so how's that how's that process been because this is a collaborative project and like the previous podcast was a collaborative project between my friends jenny and trisha on this lifestyle slash fashion blog so what kind of um like hurdles or like or like what advantages do you think having a collaborative project has over um, doing something independent and something you have complete control of? I think there's a lot of value in pursuing something independently, but I think, like, at my very core, I'm, I don't know, part of it is, like, I think I'm a needy person. (laughs) So, like, I need to be working with other people. Uh I like doing group projects because it's, like, I don't know, I don't know everything, you know? I need to share my ideas with people. I think... It's just, like, everything is just, like, you know, climbing up a ladder. Like, I think I need to do it with someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. I need to share ideas that... I need I need to share my ideas with people that help it grow from an idea to something that can be tangible, right? Yeah. Like, executing, you know, executing creative ideas into a tangible product is very... It's, it's like, 
that's how you like take something to the next level i think to mm-hmm. be able to share that with someone so working with malcolm he's like my best friend so it um it's been so great to have someone that is just on your same wavelength who is just nothing but excited about the ideas that i have and who's like you know super talented and helps mm-hmm. push my ideas to the next level or helps create you know because his background is in design like create these really beautiful ways of showcasing these stories i want to tell yeah so i can't like do this by myself you know mm-hmm. i could have never done this project without my by myself and so i think yeah i mean for me i like i said i just love working with people so it's it's been nothing but good news <laughs> to like work together i think so i mean as for like hurdles and like stuff that's hard i mean i think it's i don't know there's always gonna be different creative differences right uh-huh. but i think that that's what helps push ideas to other places that you didn't think it was gonna go uh-huh. you know so i think that's really necessary so one of the biggest pieces of game that i've ever gotten was from i don't know if you know him but the homie Dage. you know Dage? Mm-mm. who that he's like he's He's from Oakland. He's like DJ. I think he DJs for like Neff the Pharaoh right now. But he like does everything. He just, he has that brand creative class. He DJs and he like travels the world pretty much. I think he was in Tokyo like last week. We had this meeting one time and he was just like gaming me up. Because he was, he was like, yo man, like I see you doing all this by yourself and all that. But like the earlier you realize you can't do everything yourself, like the better off you are. Like the earlier you're willing to accept that you need other people to like achieve these things that you have in your head, like the better off you'll be in life and creatively. And like that thing's like, that's always stuck with me. Like, even though I do love being like doing my own projects by myself, but like, I think I've exercised that in like, like doing like uh, youthful kid folk with being part of youthful kid folk with my homies, Chris and Victor and Amina and Jess and Beatrice and Kev and all those guys and Jalea. Yeah. Just kind of like letting go of some ownership just so, like, the vision can actually live, you know? Are you type A? What? Are you type A? What does that mean? Like, you like to control things? Not really. I just like, I just feel like if I if I know how to do everything myself, like, I might as well do it. <laughs> you know? That's so type A. So what are the types, man? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That was just such a random question. Well, that's what, I don't know. I've always wondered why you don't collaborate more. But you do, I mean, though, at the same time. I mean, I want to. Okay, so it's probably because, like, I don't like being told told what to do, man. Like, mm. like I do take criticism, but sometimes I feel like I come off as salty when people criticize me. But that's just... DJ will know. stomp your ass out. Yeah, man, with the Tims, man. <laughs> nah, nah, but... Nah, I do... Like, coming from art school, like, you do have to take criticism, like, all the time. So, I mean, I'm used to that. I just like having control. Like, having, like, the clothing brand, like... I didn't want somebody to tell me, like, yo, we need to take it in this direction. Like, What's happening with that? That's on hiatus right now because I'm, I'm trying to make the freelance thing work, which which I have for the past year. But So I haven't been doing that for the past year. But I think I'm going to drop a new project soon. <gasps> that's that's the lead-in, you know? Yeah, just wait on that. That's coming out soon. Yeah, I don't know. I've always, like, yo, people have hit me with the let's collab and it's never happened, you know? Like, let's build. Let's build, fam? Yeah, the Let's Build fans, the DMs. Build me a site for free, fam. Bruh, yo, dude, I've had people come to me at, like, parties when I'm hella drunk asking to work, dude. Like, it's not the right place to ask me to work, bruh. Like, send me an email, man. Like, yo. So, I mean, that's probably, like, I think I just clash with people. Why yeah. Why send you an email when you're right there in the club? Not, what better time than to man. talk to you in the club, BJ? <laughs> Dude, like, I'm not going to remember. Then you're going to think I'm an asshole, man. Like, not hitting you back. But I always check my emails. So, that's what I tell everybody. Like, when people text me, DM me, I'm like, yo, send me an email, dude. Like, it's more professional that way and there's a paper trail kind of thing. You plug your email right quick. It's, it's holler at beachzilla.com. You hear that, everyone? Yeah, that's easy enough. Don't slide in my DMs. And don't pull up on me at, in public talking about making me a website. I'll do it, but if you send me an email. There but, you have it. But yeah, no, okay, explain to me what the other types are then. Why am I type A? What, what is the other type? Okay, so that's funny because I don't know. I just know type A is a phenomenon, but I don't know what the other types What's are. What's a phenomenon? What, why is it a phenomenon? Because, like, people are like, oh, if you're super controlling, like, oh, you're type A. You're type A. Okay, I'm going to have to Google that, man. Google it. That's intense. Friends listening, Google it. It's a thing. Okay, not to be 
not to be back on that that woke type of shit, but I, I looked up. <laughs> no, dude, last time I was here, I got my tarot cards read that one time. Oh, right, relay. right, right. It is mad accurate. We're woke up in here. Bruh, I've been on that wave, man. Nah, but... <laughs> nah, I looked up what... I think it's my master number or my life path number, and it's like a 22. It's basically, you put your, your birthday in this, like calculator thing and it'll tell you your, your life path number is that like the wu-tang name generator kind of but i feel like it's realer <laughs> you know i don't know but yeah i got the 22 and it's like the master builder like like i have this vision that i always have to build on you know and like i think that's why like i have a lot of trouble like collaborating with people mm. or just doesn't happen as often because we don't have the same vision or they want to overtake my vision with theirs they because there, pe- there are people who play their part, and there are people who have the vision. So I don't, I don't want to get in other people's visions. You know, we. I guess I just need to build a team around like what what's in my head. It just sounds like you need an intern. And I've thought about that, but I really can't pay an intern right now. You know, I just put you on game. You know, my mom probably feeds you. That's hey. about it. You know, you get that Filipino cooking all day. Email this man. Yeah, dude. Holler at vigil.com. Apply to be my intern. San Diego, local only, you know? No, I think I'm going to mentor somebody soon, though. My, one of my homies. So that look out for that. Yeah, I'm going to look into that type A stuff some more, man. See, I don't think I'm a control freak. I just have trouble letting go of letting people in my projects, man. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't... I never said it was. But it just type type A sounds a little... Like, it sounds a little rude. It sounds intense, man. Yeah, so I pretty much just dropped a bunch of projects that I'm about to work on. Because I have, like, an intense question. I don't know if you listen to this launch album. Have you listened to this launch album? Uh, fuck yeah. Okay, so you know, like, all the interludes <laughs> are, like, black urban moguls, you know? Like, music, rap, mm-hmm. like, clothing, you know? Like, like Master P's in there, right? And all that. So I'm like, yo, like, who's an Asian, like, urban mogul? Or, like, is there a place for one, you know? That, like, drove me back to, like, Asian representation and all that. In media... We kind of don't have a say in anything, honestly. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, growing up, like, who did you look up to? Like, I feel like all there was was, like, Jackie Chan. And, like, yo, I'm not going to do martial arts and shit. Or, like, act. So who else did I, could I look up to? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'm coming from a different place. Because, yeah. like I said, I also... While I lived in the U.S. for the first nine years of my life, I uh-huh. did also live in Japan. Yeah. Right? Where I am half Japanese. Uh-huh. But I think, I don't know, I think it's dope because a lot of that is changing, right? And I think, you know, social media and stuff has played a, a huge, huge role in that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to riff off your question, like, you know, who are some, like, Asian, urban moguls? So, you know, what people come to mind are, like, you know, misinfo. Yeah. Or, like, I mean, it's just even, like, hard to, off the top of my head, but, like, you know, Babu or, like, DJ uh-huh. Shortcut or, you know, a lot of, like, music people kind of come to mind, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I think increasingly it's, like, time to take more ownership yeah. of, you know, our communities and stuff like that and have more leadership in these roles and be more visible yeah. and be more forthright with... Um, you know, our identity. And shout out to my friends, Vicky and Kathleen. They have this really, really dope magazine called Banana Mag. And it's about, uh-huh. you know, Asian American, um, you know, pop culture, lifestyle and stuff like that. And, you know, their whole thing was like, okay, we want to create a print magazine that sh- like highlights like young people like us who are doing cool stuff. And, you know, they made it, you know, uh-huh. and it's definitely has been like a labor of love. You know, obviously it's not cheap to, you know, create a, print magazine you know while having a full-time job and it's like crazy but like yeah I think all that's really important because it's like I strongly believe that you know we need to like have our issues heard we need to we need to take ownership of the stuff we're creating and it's like I don't know all that's like really important to me like I got my degree in like ethnic studies so it's Mm. like I don't want to be like subjugated to all these like stereotypes that other people think are what asian americans are when i'm not you know like that's just not fair like Mm. i don't know what about you though okay so i mean i've i've this is like a topic i always think about 
Like I've done projects in school about it. Just like like recently they they had this one um like ABC was trying to make that show about this Filipino mail order bride. Oh right. That was fucked. Yeah, that was so messed up, dude. Like, yo, who 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 thinks about that shit, bro? And like why would you off top make the Filipino lady a mail order bride, you know? And it's kind of like, yo, it's like my thoughts on it is that we're not telling our, our own stories. Like other people are telling our stories and it's not even the right story, you know? And then they kind of have this bigger platform, you know? In my opinion, I feel like as Asian people, like we do have like the potential to like ascend in like the career ladder and all that. But there's always like this ceiling, like, yo, like Asian people can, can be cool, but like they can't be like the coolest, you know? Like, I feel like that's why there isn't, like, much of a household Asian name as there is, like, white, black, like, like brown, you know? Like, there's, ho- there's household names in those, like, ethnicities, but, like, Asian, you know, it's kind of rare. And I don't know. I feel like we could be doing a lot more. I don't know what that would take. Like, yeah. Like, I've thought about, like, how does one become an Asian mogul, you know? Like, how does one become a multi-billionaire or something, you know? Or affect the culture in like crazy ways. I feel like in due time that'll happen because everybody's coming up. This is a crazy generation, social media and all that. So maybe someone will come up through that. Because I feel like Asian people try to make it in YouTube. Like we like Asian people kind of rule YouTube, honestly. Do we? Yeah, dude. You got all those Fung Bros. Uh, yeah, Fung Bros, dude. Like I feel like the top, <laughs> like maybe the top ten people, at least half of them gotta be Asian. You know, like like makeup. And comedy. Oh, true. And short film. True. You know? But that was like, I feel like that was like the last generation of technology. Like, now it's like handheld social media. Maybe someone can come up off of that. Rich Chiga. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just like going off of what you said. It's like time for us to take ownership and tell our own stories. Uh You know? And they're so different, right? Yeah. Whether it's like the Chinese experience, Japanese internment. Yeah. You know, Filipinos, like, whatever. So I think, you know, we're increasingly more in a society that are open and receptive to hear those kinds of things. So it's, like, kind of up to our generation, I think, to be able to, you know, create ways to tell those stories and be part of it. Uh-huh. And, like, not hide it. I mean, I know you. I know you're mad opinionated. But do you have, like, an unpopular opinion? <laughs> you know, don't... I know you're mad opinionated. <laughs> no, I mean... It's I'm... true, that's true. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I know, I know you have an opinion, like, so I, I don't know. What's... Do you have like an unpopular opinion you want to share? I don't like pizza. That's you live in New York, dude. They got dollar slices, man. You can live off of that. I don't. Okay, it's not like I don't like pizza. Like I get it. Like there, I mean, shout out like Roberta's yeah. or like Gigi's and East Village. Like yeah, like pizzas can be good uh-huh. and it's okay. Well, I mean, I never knew that about you. I mean, we didn't really eat too much pizza in Japan, anyways. But, we uh, never ate pizza. Yeah, they have never they eaten have pizza in Japan. Pizza. I don't know. It's like fake Italian food, honestly. All right, whatever, man. You don't like pizza. What a way to end the podcast. <laughs> nah. She doesn't like pizza. <laughs> nah, okay. So I think the moral of this whole podcast and like the similarities between us is that we're like creative hustlers, you know? So name a couple of things and pieces of advice or give some pieces of advice for aspiring creative hustlers or creative hustlers right now that just be wondering like yo like what can i expect out of this whole life you know uh take risks don't give a fuck don't eat pizza and always eat in chinatown yeah shout out chinatown and soup dumplings man all day all day and shout out crown fried chicken okay yeah i think we're getting that right let's go dude like i said this is the first podcast i recorded since launching it um thank you guys for all the support you know it means a lot you know i don't really i don't talk as much as this but i do talk in real life so i appreciate you guys that didn't make any sense (laughs) yeah (laughs) well okay i'm quiet so like now you guys know that i talk you know especially off of social media you know i just be tweeting but you know i don't know if you know i don't talk that much yeah thanks for the support uh since then i've made a website for the podcast it's one degree podcast.vzilla.com. Uh, you can find the latest podcasts on there. You can find ways to support the podcast uh, by donating via PayPal or using the Amazon portal. 
you know, like if you're going to buy something on Amazon, just go to the website, click that link, and your boy's going to get a piece of it. And because all my projects are self, like, initiated and paid for. So, you know, it's all out of pocket. And so you can also find these podcasts on SoundCloud, uh, One Degree Pod, or One Degree Separation, soundcloud.com slash One Degree Separation. And I made social medias. There's two different ones. So for Twitter, it's the number one, One Degree Podcast. And on Instagram, it's spelled out. I think it's because one is taken on the other. So yeah, just bear with me. Um, follow the social media, subscribe. Leave some ratings, man, because I've looked it up and that's how you get popping on podcasts is ratings and comments and downloads. So listen to this on your drive to work or while you're taking a shower or while you're doing work in front of your computer. You know, listen to my soothing voice. Listen to Yumi's voice. Listen to everybody else's voice. And that should be cool. Until the next episode, I'm in New York for another week. I'm going to talk to some more creative friends of mine. Um, Yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs> that was the most long-winded <laughs> outro ever. Everyone's like, I don't give a fuck about this dude. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in there. <laughs> that was fun. I know, dude. I it's okay.